0: great big city news episode 55 today "Quoth the raven dial 917 hi i'm trace gilton founder of a great big city top story this week is a look at the coronavirus that hasn't yet made its way to new york city or the surrounding area but has been on people's minds and has people concerned about what will happen when it does show up in the city at a slash health, you'll find a comprehensive list of resources and information about the new virus, and updated totals about worldwide numbers of those infected and any cases under observation in the surrounding area. The outbreak of a new strain of the coronavirus, which is a type of virus similar to MERS and SARS from previous years, appeared in December 2019 in China and so far that's where the outbreak has been located, although some patients who have traveled to Wuhan in China and then traveled home have also shown signs and tested positive for the virus. As of recording, there are 12,036 cases worldwide and eight confirmed cases within the United States. The closest confirmed cases to New York City are in Massachusetts and two patients in Toronto in Canada. Although travelers from Wuhan, China have been evaluated upon entering the United States since January 17th, if you or someone you know has spent time in China, it's best to go get checked out at a local hospital or health clinic. For everyone's safety, call the office ahead of time if you believe you may be infected so that they can have a breathing mask and examination room ready. While it's important to learn about the virus and public health in general, realistically there is zero chance that you will catch the virus. Unless you recently traveled to China in general and the city of Wuhan specifically. By far the bigger danger is the seasonal flu, which not only infects thousands of New Yorkers each year, but typically kills 2,000 New Yorkers each year. To protect yourself, get a flu shot that's been specially prepared to guard against the varieties of flu viruses seen this year. And by far the most impactful changes you can make are washing your hands thoroughly with hot water and soap avoiding touching your nose and mouth after being out in public, and learn to cough and sneeze into the bend of your elbow so that you don't contaminate your hands. If you do use a tissue to cough or sneeze, wash your hands immediately afterwards, and be sure not to wipe your eyes or touch your face after touching frequently used surfaces in public like door handles, stair railings, or subway poles. 175 years ago, on January eighteen 1845, The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe was first published in the New York Evening Mirror. The poem was highly regarded upon publication with the Evening Mirror stating that it would, quote, stick in the memory of everybody who reads it. And it does stick in the memory as it's become one of the most famous poems ever written. In the New York Daily Tribune later that same year, Wiley and Putnam offered a printing of a collection of poems by Edgar Allan Poe for 31 cents, equivalent to about $8.30 today. During the time of The Raven, Edgar Allan Poe lived in various locations across the city, most of which have been torn down as the city has multiplied in size since the 1840s. Part of West 84th Street is named after Poe, where you can also find competing plaques claiming two different locations for the home where he wrote The Raven. Based on maps from the time, it appears that the home stood along the south side of West 84th Street, between Broadway and Amsterdam, where it stood on a cliff above where the ground would later be leveled and 84th Street would be placed as the city's grid of streets was established ravens themselves were once rare across the northeast united states but they have been making a comeback since the beginning of the 21st century and each year your chances are increasing of catching a glimpse of one within the city ravens and crows have been moving into the city over the past decade with their calls being heard in city parks and even nests being built on top of buildings 63 years ago on February 1st, 1957, Northeast Air Flight 823 crashes on Rikers Island after takeoff at LaGuardia, killing 20 people and injuring 78. Snow had delayed the Miami-bound plane for over three hours, gathering on the wings so heavily that the plane, with all passengers aboard, was moved into a hangar where 12 workers used brooms to completely clear off the snow. Visibility was so low when the plane finally attempted takeoff that the crew had to fly based on the plane's instrument readings. As it left LaGuardia heading north, the plane turned west and did not climb high enough, clipping trees on Rikers Island and crashing less than a minute after takeoff. It slid approximately 1,500 feet and came to a stop on Rikers Island where prison employees and inmates trusted with extra freedoms raced toward the flaming wreckage as passengers escaped through holes torn along both sides of the plane. Finding no mechanical problems, the incident report concluded that the crash was a result of the pilot's failure to, quote, properly observe and interpret his flight instruments and maintain control of his aircraft, In recognition of their participation in rescue efforts, Fifty-seven inmates received either reductions to their prison sentences or earned their release from prison. 28 years ago on February 4, 1992, Area Code 917 is introduced, originally only for cell phones. It was the first Area Code to be introduced, overlapping an existing Area Code, and although primarily used for cell phones and pagers, it's now occasionally assigned to landlines in Manhattan due to the shortage of 212 numbers. New York's most recent area code is 332, which was assigned to Manhattan in 2017. With the shift toward mobile phones and the portability of numbers, New York area codes can now travel across the country, bringing along the legacy of having once been assigned to someone living in New York City. Four years ago on February 5th, 2016, a crane working at 60 Hudson Street collapses onto Worth Street, killing one person and injuring three. The crane was in the process of being lowered due to windy conditions when the structure began to tip over and crash down at Worth Street and West Broadway, striking several buildings as it fell. Seventh floor, it looks very bad. It bounced off two buildings and crushed every single car on that block. The scope of the destruction can be seen in the length of the crane. It crashed down on Worth Street in Tribeca, the mangled wreck spanning two city blocks. One person was killed, identified as a 38-year-old man. Three others have been injured. At least one person transported to Bellevue Hospital in serious condition. The collapse killed David Wicks and seriously injured two others on the ground causing a head injury to a 73-year-old man who was sitting in a vehicle when it was crushed and a 45-year-old woman who suffered a leg and head injury. One firefighter also suffered minor injuries while responding to the scene. The standing crane, owned by Bay Crane and operated by Glazo Trucking and Rigging, had a total length of 565 feet and was one of the largest cranes in operation in the city at that time. It was being used to lift generators and air conditioning units onto 60 Hudson Street, the former Western Union building in Tribeca. The crane was rated for 25 mile per hour winds, but winds on the morning of the collapse had only risen to around 20 miles per hour. A heavier gust, to 37 miles per hour, had been measured at the battery at the southern tip of Manhattan near the time of the collapse. In a court case two years later, a judge placed the majority of the blame on the crane's operator, Kevin Riley, who was found at fault for not lowering the crane the night before anticipated winds, but the judge also faulted the Department of Buildings inspectors for accepting incomplete paperwork from the crane operator. The deadly crane collapse also drew attention to a rarely enforced Department of Buildings regulation limiting crane operations in high winds. View the link in the show notes for more information about the life of David Wicks, who was killed in the collapse. 56 years ago on February 7th, 1964, the Beatles land at JFK Airport, beginning the British invasion in American music culture. The band was aware that their music was becoming popular in the United States, but even they were surprised by the massive crowd gathered to herald their arrival at the airport. The airport radioed the pilot ahead of their arrival and told the band to be prepared for large crowds. An estimated 5,000 screaming fans packed the arrival area of JFK Airport, with the event having been promoted by posters and radio stations. In their press conference, they joked with reporters, addressing their famous shaggy haircuts and saying they were also surprised by the popularity of their music. Crowds would continue to follow them during their stay at the Plaza Hotel and their historic appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show two days later. They'd play two concerts at Carnegie Hall on February 12th and play before a record-breaking crowd at Shea Stadium on their second visit to the United States in 1965, where they were shuttled to and from the stadium in an armored truck. Twenty-four years ago, on February 7, 1996, the Concorde makes its final commercial flight from JFK Airport to London. Before Concorde flights even began, the United States banned them from flying due to excessive noise and sonic booms they produced when accelerating. By February 1977, the U.S. ban was lifted, but New York imposed its own ban. By October 1977, that ban also fell, and jet roars began to sweep over the Rockaways for the next 26 years, setting off car alarms, shaking buildings, and sending residents to protest at JFK Airport. With low ridership after September 11th and a dwindling number of replacement parts available, Concorde service was discontinued by various air carriers during 2003. The final commercial flight out of JFK joined two other planes in London to ceremoniously land one after another at Heathrow Airport, bringing supersonic travel to an end. There would actually be another final Concorde flight out of JFK on November 5, 2003, when the aircraft, which had performed the final commercial flight, returned to JFK and left empty for Seattle, where it now resides in the Museum of Flight. The Concorde that's on display at the Intrepid Museum in Manhattan was the plane used on the record-setting transatlantic flight from New York to London on February 7, 1993, which crossed the ocean in just under three hours. It may have been a bit of a foggy and muggy week in New York, but your 2013 self may have been thankful for a bit of this weather. Seven years ago, on February the 8th, 2013 winter storm nemo hit new york city with high winds and heavy snowfall a total of 11.4 inches of snow fell in central park the storm was rated a three out of five on the northeast snowfall impact scale classifying it as a major winter storm on parts of long island snow totals over two feet were even recorded governor cuomo declared a state of emergency in new york and commuter trains out of the city were largely canceled, with subway service remaining operational. And looking back through a great big city history, four years ago, Zika virus was the current health outbreak that was on people's minds. On our Zika page from January 2016, we outline a variety of resources for Zika virus and how to protect yourself against the mosquito-borne disease. Although the disease spread through the Central Americas, mosquito control and the relatively limited ability of the mosquitoes to fly far enough to spread the disease ensured that the United States saw few cases. Eight years ago on February 2, 2012, a cannonball was discovered on Governor's Island. The 450-pound solid iron cannonball was examined by the bomb squad the FDNY, and Mike Shaver, a National Park Service ranger on Governor's Island, who was also an expert on 19th-century artillery. The ball was found located just behind a seawall at the main ferry dock on Governor's Island and was likely stocked on the island during the Civil War but never shot, then used as construction material for the seawall in the early 1900s. And finally, two years ago, we were talking about some travel tips from 1977 that were found in a newspaper from Pennsylvania that were intended to educate anyone visiting New York City in the 70s on how to survive your trip. They included such tips as avoiding eye contact with the Jesus freaks and keeping a stash of money in your sock in case you were robbed of everything else. Visit the link in the show notes to see the complete newspaper column or listen to episode 8 of the podcast when we first talked about the feature. Coming up next on The Great Big City
1: This woman bought what she thought was a watermelon, but you won't believe what happened next.
0: Coming up Would you like to enable desktop notifications? I said no already. (sighs) Coming up next
1: Homeowners in Oswego, New York, can't believe this one weird trick.
0: Other news websites are quick to trick their readers with clickbait headlines and undercover ads, but a great big city is dedicated to keeping the news straightforward and factual. If a great big city has kept you informed over the years, make a contribution at agreatbigcity.com/support, and if you're a local business, visit agreatbigcity.com/advertising to view rates and learn more. Would you like to enable desktop notifications? Oh, not again. Park of the Day. Benjamin Gladstone Square at Westchester Avenue and West Farms Road in the Bronx. Named for Benjamin Gladstone, born in 1897, a New York City native who represented the Bronx 5th Assembly District in the New York State Legislature. Keep an eye on some upcoming events this week. February the 2nd will be Groundhog Day. February 9th will be the full moon. Named the Snow Moon, on February 10th will be Tubishvat, a minor Jewish holiday celebrating the birthday of trees when trees are first planted, and on February 12th we will celebrate Lincoln's birthday. Now let's see where our robot friend will be celebrating this week on the concert calendar.
1: Here's the AGBC concert calendar for the upcoming week. War Horse, Green Dragon, and Yatra are playing Saint Vitus Bar on Saturday, February 1st. Nada Surf is playing the Bowery Ballroom on Sunday, February 2nd. Steve Gunn and William Tyler are playing Union Pool on Tuesday, February 4th. The Cold War Kids are playing Webster Hall on Tuesday, February 4th and Wednesday, February 5th at 8 p.m. Metronomy and Joy Again are playing Brooklyn Steel on Wednesday, February 5th. Cube E3 and Dead Mouse are playing Avant Gardner on Thursday, February 6th, Friday, February 7th, and Saturday, February 8th. Poppy and Vows are playing Brooklyn Steel on Thursday, February 6th at 8 p.m. Rex Orange County is playing Radio City Music Hall on Friday, February 7th at 8 p.m. Amber Liu is playing Terminal 5 on Friday, February 7th at 8 p.m. Meyer Hawthorne is playing Music Hall of Williamsburg on Friday, February 7th at 9 p.m. Thrice, Drug Church, and Me Without You are playing Brooklyn Steel on Saturday, February 8th. Oprah and Michelle Obama will appear at Barclays Center on Saturday, February 8 at 9 a.m. Mr. Bungle is playing Brooklyn Steel on Monday, February 10th and Tuesday, February 11th. And the used and dragged under are playing Gramercy Theater on Tuesday, February 11th. Thanks for listening. Find more fun things to do at greatbigcity.com slash events.
0: Here's something you may not have known about New York. 1.8 million New Yorkers benefit from the SNAP program, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, that helps families and individuals supplement the cost of their diet with nutritious foods. Extreme highs and lows for this week in weather history, both the record high and low happened on February 5th, with a high of 70 degrees in 1991 and a low of negative 6 in 1918. Weather for the week ahead will be rainy and gloomy through next Friday. Thanks for listening to A Great Big City. Follow along 24 hours a day on social media at a great big city or email contact at agreatbigcity.com with any news, feedback, or topic suggestions. Subscribe to A Great Big City News wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, or listen to each episode on the podcast pages at greatbigcitycom slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening. And visit our podcast site to see show notes and extra links for each episode. Our intro and outro music is Start the Day by Lee Rosphere, And the concert calendar music is from Deck.com. Thanks for being part of A Great Big City.